Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. I think um, I gotta put this somewhere else because I want to sit for a little bit. Um, I think it is very important to remind each other online and in the room of why we do what we do. This is not part of my message, but like sitting, standing in the back, listening to Sarah sing, and there's something um, simple and beautiful about singing or saying or putting that energy out of what you believe to be true that there is something good that god is doing in us there's something new new creation beautiful things that god is doing in us and through us and i just thought i'm like we could just we could just end church there if we just continue honestly like the reason that we get together and you come listen to my beautiful rich voice and see my face online right is we have to remind each other that you're good you have to remind each other that regardless of what you do or you don't do, what you accomplish or don't accomplish, that you belong. And there's beauty and there's worth and there is something inherently good that is in you always. And so I really do appreciate for that you um, showed up today. And, um, and for those of you watching online or if you're uh, listening to the podcast a couple 13, 14 days later, um, you're welcome. What I'm talking about, our theme this year... Our, or does anyone remember our theme from last year? I, mean, I guess that's a more important question. No? Do you remember, Sarah? Yeah. <laughs> our theme last year was all about um, uh, evolving faith. That was the whole point. And we asked people like my mom. We asked uh, Nita. A lot of people to come and just share their stories of how did they, what, if, what is your spiritual um, upbringing and how has spirituality formed you? And the whole goal was just to ha- hear of how can we continue to grow. I think that we never arrive, that we're always on this journey. Uh, and this year, our theme that we're going to explore from uh, several different angles is wonder. I am a huge fan of wonder. I was just talking with um, one of our friends, and we were talking on um, what does spirituality mean to, to us, and how do we, as someone who has an evolving faith, uh, I'm saying Nikki and I, um, how do we pass it along to our kids? Because it seems like it'd be a lot easier if all we did was just tell them, Kira, this is what you believe, don't ask questions, and don't screw it up, right? And uh, that, that'd be a lot simpler. It'd be a lot easier. It'd be less, I want to be able to see your lovely face. <laughs> um, and it's a little more um, nuanced of when we give, like Nikki and I, we actively celebrate giving, um, what's the right word, autonomy? Is that how you say? Over our kids over their own bodies, over their own decisions, but also over their spirituality. And there's parts of it that feel scary. There's parts that feel really complicated. But there's something beautiful about our kids being able to move and evolve and um, grow in the way they best, they, they feel that they can do that. And we were talking about this as a group of friends. And one of them said, the thing that my kid loves is he still believes that there's some magic in this world. 
and that magic he ascribes to God. And it felt so, um, not as the right word, it felt so authentic, it felt so inspiring. Because when I was, a, when I was younger, especially when I was um, in uh, a, a different, more evangelical church, the idea of saying that there's magic in the world and being able to equate that with God was dangerous. It was not allowed. Like, there is magic and there is God, and the two cannot mix because the idea of that there's magic was a threat to God. And the, the, my friend was talking about this magic. They see what they see in movies and what they read in books is that it can uh, bring life where there is no life. It can bring transformation. It can bring hope. It can bring beauty. And that they still link that to God. And I think that is incredibly, incredibly beautiful. Because when I was growing up, I was told mo- mostly, um, and I, I did like my, if you're not watching, my parents are here, and I started, my mom got here, I'm like, by the way, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about dad. That's what I'm talking about. No, I'm joking, right? But I, what, I was, what I was taught was that God is absolutely wonderful. God is absolutely beautiful. And I was full of wonder as a, as a young child. I still remember um, in my parents' house in the basement, if you gently pushed my dad's clothes to the side, which meant we just threw them on the ground, um, you could get um, access to underneath the staircase. And I still remember my sister showing me this, and it felt like I walked into a whole new world. And I got to bring my uh, stuffed animals in there, and I got to put cool little, super cool stickers uh, in there, and I made it my own. And it felt like I had, like, my own, my own place in the, inside of my parents' place. And for whatever reason, as a little kid, that felt so magical. Uh, I'd, um, I grew up in the woods. And clearly, I'm a rugged man, as you can see. Um, and uh, we'd find places that there were swamps, and then we'd just call it, what do you think we call it? Swamp land, yeah. <laughs> not, not too creative, right? So we, we'd play in swamp land. We found a place that had all these trees falling over, so we'd call it tree land, right? And then we found moss, and we'd call it moss land, right? And, but it, it felt so... Um, it felt so freeing to be out in the woods and explore, and things that caught my eye I would move towards, things that um, would smell I would <laughs> move towards, right? Because that's just what kids do, clearly, right? They find something that is interesting, and they move towards it. And this is what I loved about the Jesus story, especially as a little boy, the idea of that God is good and God loves me. I still remember um, swinging on the the swing. <laughs> I could still feel the warmth in my back, and I'd sing songs about God and angels and run in, and I'd be like, Mom, did you listen to me? And my mom would, of course, lie and say, of course I was watching you through the window and listening, because that's what good parents do. And I, I still remember that there was just this inherent, um, like, majesty about who God was. And then, as a teenager, I really did believe in the goodness of who God was, and I believed in the, the belonging of and the, the story of Jesus. As a teenager, I was really awkward, and I always felt like I was just on, like, the, the cusp of being forgotten by my friends, um, by um, some of my family, right? Not you guys, right? There's just, like, as a teenager, I just felt awkward. And so the idea of, like, there was a God who always loved me, was always with me. And so I tried getting my other friends, right? I, we called it evangelism. It was in some really weird, toxic ways. But the reason I did that is because I believed in it. I, and I still believe in the beauty of, of Jesus. But there came a point of moving in this wonder where someone says, yes, move in wonder, but stop. Be afraid of it. And they taught me to be afraid of something 
else, uh, to actually have fear in my life of what the nuanced world might bring, of something else out there, of this magic in this world was all of a sudden a threat. And as I was getting ready for this message, I thought, where does that fear come from? And I don't know if any of you have experienced this as well, but like, I could tell you who didn't teach me that fear. It wasn't God at any point to be afraid of the world. It wasn't the story of Christ. And even though they use the Bible, it's not the Bible to use to come shame us or to make us afraid, right? The reason that the, uh, some spiritual systems, and not just Christianity, but like the, or even people ascribe to using fear is because it has some sort of control. And when, if you prescribe to a God where there's going to be this eternal life, which, you know, I believe, but that's dependent on what you think or what you do or a set of doctrines, you're going to try controlling that because then you don't have to put anxiety or energy into if you're in or you're out, especially if you ascribe to a theology where there's eternal damnation. You've you got to hold on to that information. You've got to know that you know that you know because if, if not, like, like I still remember an, a, a preacher saying, like, what if on the way home an accident happened? Do you know where you'd spend eternity? If that's the question that you have every time you get in a car, that's going to lead to a significant amount of fear and anxiety. And so when you try, like, having, like, I had, I had people tell me, like, um, I went to Bible camp. Two words that are really good words. You put them together, not as cool, right? <laughs> but uh, Bible camp, they told us that we can't, we can only listen to this kind of music. Right? And then they use the word secular, which I detest that word. And so I went home, and I, got, I had a Green Day Dookie album, like one of my favorite albums, and I had to go throw it in the trash because someone told me that. Yes, I sh- share that sentiment, sad face, right? Um, don't worry, I bought it again. So. <laughs> um, but someone told me to be afraid of the words that Green Day was singing over my life, and that can have some influence. But they, when I got older, into my 20s, people would say, well, you, have to be, you can't read those authors. You can't listen to that podcast. There was a time where a, a leader actually told me of saying, uh, they didn't say this exactly, but what they were trying to get at is like, you can't believe when people come and share about their experiences with God because of their body. You can't believe someone's experience based on their sexuality because that's not God. They're, that's just a lie. And so the whole time as people are trying to move in this world, in this place of fear, trying to fit, like, am I in or out? And the whole idea of wonder, of tree land, swamp land, of finding the beauty and majesty of Christ is kind of put on side because why would I move to something new when I already know what's happening here? And it, here's, here's the, 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 the hard part with that, though, is that, it's in wonder that we find and experience beautiful things, right? It's like, I met Nikki when I was 13. Man, I tell the story all the time. I still love it, right? <laughs> My daughter, I fell in love with your mom. I told her that she had uh, big beaver teeth, and she laughed. And when she laughed, that is what brought most girls, A, wouldn't look at me in the eyes, <laughs> wouldn't talk to me, and she laughed at one of my jokes. And it brought this sense of wonder of where I'm like, this girl's different. And I want to know everything about her. And she showed up at my, at my door wearing a little black dress. You love when I talk like this, don't you? A little black dress with your purple wool socks and your big Sorel boots for winter, um, not winter blast, uh, snowball, winter formal, whatever it is. And she stole my heart. And I never asked for it back. And it was there that I fell, fell in love with Nikki. And I want to live in that place of wonder, Right? It's easier to talk about wonder and being interested in the people you love, right? I, 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 the wonder of my kids, right? I love, 
<laughs> I love what they're growing up to be and what they're discovering. And I want to be around for a very long time to see what they love and see the things that they have to grow through and the challenges and all the things that they succeed in. This is what I love about our church is that it's in wonder of, well, what if we try this event? What if we try this approach? What if we invite this person to speak because we can hear new ideas? It's in, it's in, that, in that wonder. This is what I love about theology holding a place of, of wonder of this idea of thinking about a higher way of who God might be is no longer a threat to me because there's new ways of experiencing and discovering God. And I think this is what the Bible is, right? The Bible is an incredibly messy story of people experiencing God in new, higher, wider, deeper ways. We're willing to ask questions, is this the best that we can do? That's the prophet's. Is this who you think it is to be, how it is to be human? What if there's a higher way of thinking? What if there's a different way of knowing and loving? Think about it, right? And wonder. It is out of wonder that Abraham stopped, not Abraham, uh, Moses stopped and moved towards the bush. Of Why is that bush burning? It is out of wonder that Abraham stopped at, um, uh, stopped at a table on his way home to, the, to have a, a meal with the priest of the most high God, which we have no idea of where this God or this priest came from. But it's out of wonder that Abraham stops and chills. It's out of wonder that Hagar, as she is running away from the people who took her from her people and family and then blame her for it as she's running away, it's in the wilderness, it's out of wonder that she stops and actually hears God chasing after her. And she's the first one to name God, a God who sees me. It's out of wonder that Moses stands in front of this, this, uh, this sea and decides, like, well, I'm going to try this, lifts up his rod, and what's going to happen, right? It's out of wonder that he strikes a rock and there's water coming. It's out of wonder that Abraham uh, sees three angels and decides to go over and feed them and welcome. It's out of wonder that Job is sitting with his friends and all these horrible things are happening, that he s- still says, I'm not going to blame God. There's got to be something more than what is happening right here. It is out of wonder. What else? It is out of uh, wonder that Mary doesn't just run and abandon everything after God or after this angel tells her what's going to happen. Instead, she sings a beautiful song. It's out of wonder that four buddies pick up their friend who's sick and paralyzed and drop him through a roof. Well, not drop him, right? Put him through a roof so that Jesus, just so that Jesus can be around him. It's out of wonder. The crazy guy who's running around in the woods screaming, right? And uh, all of a sudden he sees Jesus. He just, Jesus doesn't invite him. He just sees Jesus and he runs towards him and falls on his knees, right? It's out of wonder. It's out of wonder that when Mary is looking for the body of Jesus and she's in the garden and she's frustrated and all she wants to do is find her friend Jesus' body so she can bury him properly. And in the garden, Jesus simply says her name and everything changes. It's out of wonder that she's the first evangelist, the first preacher of the resurrected Christ. It's out of wonder that Thomas comes up to Jesus and says, I don't know if I can believe in a God because gods don't die. And this God, the resurrected Christ, still has a scar, still has a wound, and allows Thomas to touch his body. Imagine the wonder of Thomas as he's looking at it, saying, this can't be true. This, this is what it, think of the wonder of Peter moving it, uh, going to have dinner with the, the very people who were the outsiders, and willing to step in and say, now your whole life has changed. The whole history has changed, because God has shown up here. Salvation has found its way in this home. I mean, it is in wonder that we discover beauty and new things and life and purpose. But somewhere along the way that w- someone has taught us, just get assurance, get certainty. 
like make a decision and just stay there and camp out there. Instead, the whole story of the people of God, the whole story of what it means to, to be a person of Christ is to look for the beauty. Look for the questions. Be willing to look around the room and saying, is this the best that we can do? Look around your community. Look around your school. Look around your job. Look within and saying, is this the best that I can be? And when you see an opportunity change, you do it. And it's out of wonder that we do this. So for the whole year, we're going to be uh, looking at stories in the Bible and inviting people to come speak and share of what, have, what problem in this world do they want to solve? What opportunity can we be as a community or as a family uh, or as friends of where we can continue to evolve and continue to grow? What places in the Bible invite us into a place of wonder? And where are the places in the Bible where it does invite us to use caution, right? Because you have to use wisdom and wonder have to go hand in hand. Now, where this all came, I'm going to do this quickly, um, is out of Matthew 2. In, the, in Orthodox Christianity, this is the week that uh, we celebrate any Orthodox Christians in the place, right? This is the week we celebrate, who? It's Epiphany, yes. That's a little bit later. This is the, um, the, ma- the Magi. This is January 6th was uh, insurrection, also the time <laughs> we celebrate the, the, the Magi. Um, and the story is only found in Matthew 2. It's no other Gospels, which as a Bible nerd, this is, um, when you see these stories or read these stories, it's important to ask, why? Right? Have some wonder. Why is it, if it's so important to put in um, why is it not in the other ones? It's because Matthew is trying to explain uh, and trying to invite the reader into a narrative, into a story that's bigger than just a verse, that's bigger than a chapter, but it's this big, big um, idea of this kingdom of God. And Matthew is um, showing us, revealing to us, of what kind of king we have. And the, the Magi, we usually, uh, or the, we call them the three wise men. Okay, I've been trying this joke, so just laugh that, okay, just to make me feel better, right? <laughs> See, that's, that's why they sit front row, right? The reason that we've traditionally called it the three wise men is because they give three gifts, right? And so if we base how many you are based on your gifts, then my brother would just be uh, sign the card. Thank you, Sarah. All right. I did not, like, because my brother never gives a gift. He just signs the card of someone else who gives a gift. Nah, it still doesn't work. I've tried it like four times, um, but I did it. So Magi, um, tri- no, not traditionally, there's people who believe that the Magi travel in a huge herd, like a pack, very nomadic. Um, most people think that there was a group of 12 Magi because that was like a sacred number in a lot of other um, stories of spirituality, not just Christianity. There's 12 disciples, there's 12 Magi. It was like a team of 12, like, um, meant something, right? So whatever it is, these are, the Magi are people who were... Um, uh, in, in the Middle East, and they were looking at the skies because they're astrologists and astronomers, and they noticed that something's out of place. They see this miraculous event, something outside of their natural experience, um, and they look at it, and they say, oh, I wonder what that is. And at this time, they believed that everything was connected. This is beautiful. Whatever would happen in the heavens, they believed, then meant that there's something happening on earth at the same time with the same excitement or the same supernatural ability. And so if they saw that, it's happening there. They're like, well, we better move towards that because it's probably going to be happening right there, which I love because that is out of wonder. They know it. A, they were looking for something. They're familiar with the sky. And what they saw was not a threat. actually invoked uh, wisdom and it, it invoked uh, a sense of, um, uh, what's, what's the word? Uh, curiosity, right? So they move towards it thinking they're going to experience this supernatural thing. And where they go, 
is they go to where many people go. You go to the power. They go to King Herod. King Herod, not a good dude, right? Uh, and if, if you, you should read it, right, Matthew 2. It's, it's, it's wonderful because King Herod, uh, he meets the wise men, and the wise men heard about this prophecy because he started asking questions with all this, this star, and the prophecy says there is this new king, and there's a new way of, of having this kingdom, and it's going to bring transformation life to everybody. And so as they're saying this to the current king, right, the current king takes it as a threat. And King Herod does, I laughed, actually, I read it, because I read it like uh, Larry David. And he's like, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you go find this king for me and tell me where he is so I can worship him, right? And it's like, yeah, it's, yeah keep laughing. I thought it was hilarious. So he's trying to, like, like do the old, uh, the old rope-a-dope, right? And, <laughs> and the wise men say, uh, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. And, they, they, and actually an angel spoke to them of saying, don't go back to King Herod. Wise men go, they find Jesus in this manger. Actually, not in the manger. They find Jesus. They don't tell us what Jesus is. And they find Jesus, and they worship him. And what do they do? They give the three, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, right? Yeah. Um, Not myrrh. That's my grandma, uh, but myrrh. And um, these were very expensive gifts because when you experience something wonderful, when you experience something mystical, you can't help but give yourself to it, right? It's like when I met Nikki, I wanted to give her all of my time, all of my energy, everything. Because when you meet something beautiful, when you see a sunset, when you see, oh, man, there was a time where we were at the zoo. I don't even know why I'm telling you this. We were at the zoo. And, you know, zoo, like, lions don't ever do anything. They just lay around. And at one, only one time in my life, the lion, like, roared. And it demanded my energy and my attention. It stopped me. I, I could feel it in my body. Are you, it, that's, that's what it's like when you experience the wonder of God. It stops you, and you have to give yourself to it. And this is what the wise men do. So um, then the wise men, they go on. They tell everyone about who this new king is. And then Herod, uh, if you go on into verse 13 through 15, Herod decides, um, hey, these wise men aren't coming back. And so he executes all the two-year-old boys. All the two-year-olds he executes because he's, he saw the wonder in a different way than the Magi. So here's the takeaways. First, there's two different ways of responding to something that's mysterious. There's two different ways of, in this story, of when there was something outside of the normal experience of how they moved towards it. The Magi move in a place of curiosity. They move in a place of wonder. They trust that whatever we're going to experience, if it's good or bad, we are going to grow, we are going to be better for it. Right? That's the beautiful part of the story. Second is the people in power, King Herod, sees anything different as a threat and needs to bring violence to it. Which made me think, how many times in our life have we, have you, discovered something new about yourself? Maybe something you love, maybe something you believe who you are, something that you want to accomplish, something that you want to grow in, something you want to kill, right? Something you want to stop. But someone or maybe yourself, told you that is not who we are. Where you killed that dream, you killed that, 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 that ability to move on into something else, to evolve into something else, because you were afraid of what it might lead to. You were afraid of what your parents might say. You were afraid of what your partner might do. You were afraid of what your friends might do. And I can think of, especially when I was a teenager and then when I was in first going to ministry, the, the questions I had about who God was, I had people say, that's not who we are. That is not how we dream. 
How many friendships or <laughs> relationships or marriages that you've been in or you know someone in where they say, I, I, this is not who I wanted to be. This is not how I wanted to end up. This is toxic. This is not, not good. And then, but you say, but I can't move on from this. Why? Because that's not what we do. That is not who we are. How many things have we killed inside of ourselves because we were afraid of wonder? And that's what power does. That's when you think, I have to have control. Instead of the magi who see something that's happened to heaven and saying, if this kingdom of God, if this, this beautiful thing's happening, what if? Right? That question, what if? What if there could be something more? What if there could be a, a, a higher way of doing justice? What if there's a, a higher way of how we can use our money? What if there's a, a wider way of how we can include and how we can love? Right. And the last, last takeaway from this is the reason I believe uh, Matthew includes this story is that he's trying to show what kind of king the Christ is. Because the, the, when you think about king and you describe it to King Herod, that's all of power, violence, and control. This kind of king and the kingdom of God that Jesus talks about, that's a central theme in Matthew. It's all the Gospels, but especially in Matthew, it's the kingdom of God. Here is a king that is being worshipped and accepted. The first people to call Jesus a king are the outsiders. The Magi are people who, who were pluralists, right? They believed that all things belong, different ways of science, different ways of spirituality, different kinds of magic. They believed there was magic in this world, and it was never a threat. And the very people who were first to call Jesus a king were the very people who did not have access traditionally to this God. And so Matthew starts the story of saying, this is a different kind of king. This is a different way of being human. This is a different way of operating. In this kingdom, this king says all of it belongs. Those who find themselves, who believe themselves, I don't belong, I don't count, I don't have value. This king, even as a baby, these magi recognize this kingdom is different. And what that means for us, right, is that in this kingdom of God, there's not just it's not just somewhere else at some other point, and if we ascribe to the right theology, if we ascribe to the right doctrine, if we just get all the things right, then maybe some point when we die, we'll get something good. What the kingdom of God is, this kingdom of God is here, it is now, and it is beautiful, and it is powerful. And if we're willing to awaken to that, then as a, as a community, as a church, as individuals, we can look around and look for the stars. We can look at the light. We can see the things that catch our eye. And instead of saying, oh, I, I, I don't belong, I can't do that, I'm just an individual, we can actually believe that this kingdom of God, this heaven, this beauty, this belonging is now. And the more that we can move in that, the more that we can really believe in that, the, 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 honestly, the more, the more love and beauty we can bring in this world. And this is what people need. This is why we gather, to inspire each other that we belong, that you belong, that they belong. So... I'm going to pray, and then we're going to put some music on, and then we're going to get some coffee and donuts, and then we're going to go into the frigid cold. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Please join me. So God, we love you. And I thank you for the ideas of whatever's happening in the stars, whatever's happening in the heaven, also means it's happening here that we can embody the wonder of the stars. We can embody the majesty of the night sky. We can experience the fullness that the sun brings. 
And so I pray that you'd help us be able to receive the wonder in this world. I pray you'd help us be able to see the opportunities, to see the stars that are happening in our life, in our mental health, in our body, in our friendships, in, in, in our relationship with you, of how we can move in a place of curiosity. And I ask that you would help um, or continue to awaken us to the possibilities of how we can uh, be better humans. We can be more fully human. And we can move in a place of inclusion and love and liberation. And I pray for my friends who are here and who are listening, of where we have brought violence to ourselves, where we have suppressed who we are or what we believe or what we can be out of fear. Help us to be able to evolve out of what was handed down to us of that we must be fearful of who God is. We must be fearful of what this world can bring. That was never from you, God. Help us move in confidence, in wisdom, in wonder. And we be with us as we go throughout our day. We love you. Amen. Well, thank you, friends, for joining me. Thank you to everyone watching online, and have a great day.